You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome to another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Tonight, All Eyes on Cleveland is featuring Jared Mueller, managing editor of the Browns Wire, top man, at USA Today Sports Media Groups, the Browns Wire. How you doing, Jared? How we doing? Yeah, I'm good. Just just spent some time out on a at a nice little restaurant that had a thing for our, uh, helping dogs. We took our dog there, so uh, good, good to pet some dogs, right? Like, and good to support some some good organizations. Yeah, that's a, that's fantastic stuff. And uh, you know, dogs dogs make me happy. Dogs make people happy. So that's awesome. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so let's turn to some uh, terrible things now uh, to talk about, <laughs> as opposed to that nice moment that we had there at the top of the show <laughs> to balance things out. Um, we don't have to talk about it long, but there's a couple things here going on that I want to get your thoughts on. First of all, let, let's just go to straight to this one. Baker Mayfield, excused for mandatory minicamp. Uh, I, you know, I heard Garoppolo is excused, and I was kind of like, huh. That's probably what the Browns should do, and then here we go, right? So, thoughts on this? Is this the way you want to handle this with Baker now? Are we just excusing him? Is he done? Uh, I mean, because if there is a thought, and everybody throws this out there that, you know, and we'll get to the thoughts on the suspension later, and if your mind's changing everything, but if there is a chance, and I think there's a non-zero chance that the suspension gets out of control, right, and could be, like, (laughs) very severe, like up to a year now, if that is a reality for some reason, is this something you want to revisit with Baker Mayfield? Because the point is valid that where else is he going to go and have a better chance to have success? And really, what are the Browns going to do? Are they going to ride Brissett for 17 games? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about it one way or the other, more than I just don't think the Browns are coming back to Baker no matter what, in kind of my opinion. But if they're excusing him from minicamp, is that kind of just taking that off the table to you, or is this just kind of uh, day by day? It is to, so from the outside looking in, it's day by day, and it's right. a you know Baker's hurt, so he shouldn't be throwing anyways too much. You know the the goal was Good that point. he's throwing by training camp. Um, so at some level, it's a sign of maturity for both sides to be like, let's just keep pushing this out. I have heard nothing from anyone who has any type of. Uh, feel for the pulse. Even Jeremy Fowler today uh, with Charles Robinson uh, that has any of the pulse of what's going on that that thinks Baker Mayfield's coming back, that that it's a salvageable relationship, even though you're you're exactly right. If you look at Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield, that's an easy one. Right. Um, And to be honest, everybody's talking like, oh, the Browns, you know, they weren't going to have Baker Mayfield this year. They weren't going to have Baker Mayfield this year. But I was told and it was it's been said in a variety of ways be it was either going to be Deshaun Watson or Baker Mayfield like that was who's going to be the quarterback 
everything just kind of got ugly. But if the Browns didn't get Deshaun Watson, they were planning on going with Baker Mayfield. All right, let me stop you. Let me stop you right there. All right. You really believe that? Like, okay, I I know you said that before, and other people have said that. (laughs) But that's really, to me, Jared, let let me push back on that just for a minute. Yeah, sure, yeah. I think that's just the easiest answer after this is all done. Like they're not going to come out and say, yeah, well, if it, if it, you know, if it wasn't Deshaun, then we were going to go for this guy or this guy. I mean, to me, it probably would have been like between, uh, the Colts and us for, uh, what's his name? Matt Ryan. Ryan. And then maybe extends to, you know, and, uh, Garoppolo, but although he's not really healthy yet, but, but I don't think they were ever coming back to Baker. I just think that's the easiest thing to say post Watson because you don't want to show your, your cards fully. Well, but you seem to believe that that was the way back no matter what. Yeah. Um, and even the, the report that I would, I'll point back to is at the combine, Mary Kay Cabot reported, uh, who is obviously someone who doesn't like me that much, but that's okay. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot <laughs> reported that the Browns made it very clear to Baker Mayfield's agents that they would only move on from him for a very clear upgrade. Like that was combine, you know, Deshaun Watson hadn't even been cleared of everything yet, you know, so there was a lot of pieces that didn't happen. And that was the kind of the clear conversation. So then the question is, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think is a clear, like he might be a better at some level than Baker Mayfield, but not a clear upgrade. Um, I believe even her report said something like an elite or, you know, they, she put a pretty high level on that. So maybe Matt Ryan, um, but even then Matt Ryan would not have asked for a trade or taken a trade except that Atlanta looked for Deshaun Watson, right? So the Browns didn't know that at the combine that Atlanta was going to be angling for Deshaun Watson. So Matt Ryan wasn't even really in their, in their table on their, in their head because he had already restructured his contract. So mm-hmm. Matt Ryan getting traded didn't make sense to anybody until he asked for the trade and they, they acquiesced getting, I think it was just one third or two thirds, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so really at the combine, I was there. That is kind of what it was said to me is the plan was, an upgrade, which I knew was just Deshaun Watson. There just wasn't really a, a significant upgrade available outside of him if he was cleared. And if not, they were probably going to draft Garrett Wilson at 13 if he fell, right? Like okay. that, you know, that was kind of what they were looking at. So, okay. um, yeah, so I don't think it's revisionist. I think it would have been difficult. Jadavion Clowney would not have returned. Uh, right. That is, we, we're pretty sure of that, uh, which is another sign that Baker Mayfield's not coming back because yeah. Clowney would not be happy. Yeah. So, but but what about after Mayfield goes nuclear? And and they had to know that was going to happen when they took that plane flight to to Houston, right? Like they had to know, like coming back from that was going to be very difficult, if not impossible. So, when you get on that plane, there has to be a plan B at some point there, right? Well, Don't you think? Yeah, there was there was a plan B. There are some op. There were some options there. A pivot, um, at least, right? Yeah, to pivot a little bit. The other thing is, is that the other reason I feel really comfortable with this, and then to kind of come back to the plane ride, is I was told the Browns turned down an offer from Washington before Washington acquired Carson Wentz, and so uh, John Costco and a few other people have also reported or yeah. stated that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say this: what the Browns knew was if if Baker goes nuclear, 
but we need him for 2022. It gives us an out next off season with the fans. Look, Baker acted like an idiot. He showed his butt, right? Like he did all these things. So it gives them some ammunition. If they have to play him in 2022 to say, see fans, sorry, we can't have this guy leading our team kind of thing. Um, so they had some thoughts about it, but you can't pass up outside of the crap we're about to talk about. You yeah. can't pass up a quarterback of that talent of that age. You just can't pass up the chance to try to go after them. Sure. And they knew they were going to be the best team for mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. I mean, uh, I still, you know, We'll get to this stuff now as as that was a good segue. You kind of did it for me there. Um, You know, so here we are. Um, To be honest, I didn't know how to feel when they got Deshaun Watson. There was some excitement and there was also some, uh, this is not going to be good, right? But do you think the Browns thought it was going to get this bad? And... Because they're taking a beating, right? The Browns and Watson are getting just piled on from the media and fans, right? And it's really ugly. I kind of feel like they they knew that it was coming. Maybe they didn't know that to this degree. But they had to know that they were going to be the bad guy for some period of time with the – this – this approach is the, exactly what you said. You have to take the opportunity and you have to take your lumps and then see that there's a there's a there's a, a you know a light at the end of the tunnel that eventually results in winning more football games, right? Like that is the ultimate look at this thing. Now, is it for a lot of people it's not worth it, right? Like my brother-in-law took down all his brown stuff. Other people done the same thing, I know. I'm not there. I'm a Browns fan, I, I, you know, and I under- totally understand why. I'm not there, but I, I see why they are there. Um, I just – I won't get into the whole thing, but my thing is, like, dude, people root for bad people that have done a lot worse things than Deshaun Watson all the time, and they have no idea in professional sports, right? right. Like, they have no clue. It's just you know about what's going on with this. All right. So, anyways, that's not nothing. That's a wormhole to go down another day. Um <laughs> So, 24th accusation comes out. Rusty Harden has this comment that, oh, we didn't even know who she was, right? Like, we, so wait a minute here now. Okay, due diligence and all that. Uh, wait a minute. Now, you don't know who this girl is? You don't know about this case? That was alarming to me, Jared, very much so. Because if he doesn't know, then the Browns didn't know, probably, right? So due diligence and all that, you didn't know about this. Deshaun wasn't fully, he didn't, he didn't account for this, probably. I would not think so. You know, I, I, I'm certainly t- taking some leeway there, but I don't think it's a big jump to get there that he no, that he not kept at all, this, right? That he kept this to himself because if Rusty didn't know, then he didn't know. And now Rusty is kind of pivoted from like, oh, we totally believe in him. We don't think he did anything to Deshaun standing by his comments that he is innocent. Like even his phrasing has changed a little bit, just a slightest bit, right? Rusty here, and he had a really bad day on the radio the other day talking about happy endings and whatnot, which really turned out to look awful after the 24th accusation comes out. Rusty Harden and Watson's defense had a god-awful week on top of, you know, HBO, 
uh, Real Sports. And then Jenny Varentis, who drops the New York Times article throwing out the number 66 and throwing the tech, uh, Houston Texans under. A lot of more details coming out here. Huh. All right. Got that out. <laughs> kind of tried to recap all that. That's Disgusting, a good recap, man. Right? Yeah. Okay. And, and so where are you at now? A, with the suspension. B, with the Browns. B, with the Browns and... B, let's let's do B part one and two, right? B with the Browns, B one with the Browns and Watson. Um, and are they just seeing this through? Like, are they just now is like batting down the hatches and let's just get through this? Uh, and at what point, like, man, like if they were gonna do this, and you talk about the Miami Dolphins, you know, Florida talks about the Miami Dolphins X amount of time ago that asked him to to. So he settled all the cases before he came on board, and they thought the NFL, they felt confident the NFL was going to give him six games. Boy, that looks a lot different back then now. You know, like, maybe the Browns should have made that a stipulation of this, Jared. I don't know. I know it's very revisionist. they went the opposite direction, right? They did. They said hands off, right? We're not going to be involved in it, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's so many tentacles to it um, that, frankly, make – following the team, covering the team, loving the team, really difficult. And again, we're not passing judgment. And to be honest, every side of this makes the conversation difficult. Um, He's not guilty. The grand jury. Yeah, that doesn't mean everything, right? Right. But also it doesn't mean everything that there are 24 lawsuits. So there's just so many nuances to it that it it just, it drives me nuts. I think what's really changed this week uh, or into last week is like you said they didn't know of this one mm-hmm. uh, which just opened some wormholes because i believe how the contract was written uh, anything we currently knew about basically you're scot-free anything new you gotta could have some problems but i think for browns fans and and everybody involved it was okay we knew this when we they acquired him and we could wrap our mind around it and it was all going to move forward right 22 was the number. We all knew it. I remember I was even a little thrown off that there was still one criminal case that hadn't had a grand jury handled it yet when they acquired, by the time they yeah. acquired him, it was like the next week. Me like too. all of a sudden that yeah. like, like what the crap just happened? So I think yeah, what and happened, they were like, Oh, we knew about it. We knew yeah, about it. And we knew it was, was like, going to okay. probably go. How do you know what a grand jury is going to do, dude? Exactly. Uh, that was really weird. Thinking about that back here. That's really weird now to think about it. Like at the time I kind of thought, eh, okay, but right. Like, what literally, if, yeah. like, how do you know what that was going to happen in that criminal case that came out of, like, we didn't know about, supposedly the team knew about, and Watson and Rusty Harden knew about? How did they, were they so confident that was going to come out the way it did? And even you look at all the reporting, probably even whatever I wrote or Jeff wrote or whoever wrote it, literally the ESPN and everybody else was cleared of all criminal charges. And that wasn't yeah. even accurate. Like, it was nuts. Yeah. And so now you have all of this. So he, they acquire him. 22 is the number it's 22 it's moving like Roger Goodell two weeks ago is like we're almost wrapped it up and so you feel like we're going to finally move forward there's going to be some kind of discipline got to figure out how that all works out but it's going to be wrapped up in a nice bow and we can move on to football and again it's not minimizing what the victim has been through if you know the alleged victims or or actual victims that are seeing this and Browns fans and NFL fans and all that but you're feeling like okay this is this horrible crap is behind story wise, information wise. And all of a sudden, 23, 24, 66, the Texans are involved, the NDAs. 
some of the details of the 24th were pretty detailed. I don't feel like we've had heard those kind of uh, uh, specifics, specificities uh, before. So I think what it did, yeah, it very aggressive, Um, you know, from as a mental health professional, there are things about the behavior, obviously, alleged alleged behavior. Yeah. Yeah. There's the things about the reports that you're like, holy cow, like not just not just this, but Mm. some of the ways, you know, some of the responses, some of the things he's saying, some of the things he allegedly said, some of the things we know we've heard him say, man, it feels like there's a disconnect from reality. Sure. So I th- I think that's really the big thing for Browns fans, media, everyone, and why they're getting hammered is you felt like it was all in the past, like we knew everything and you acquired him. And while that is really uh, a strong thing to say, 22 is enough or 22 is okay. Now you have 23 and 24 and possibly 66 in 17 months. Mm-hmm. Right? That's literally a new masseuse. And then we learn they're untrained. And then we learn about what seems to be a possibility around sex trafficking with that spa owner getting paid $5,000 and third party getting $5,000. Yeah. And setting him up and all that stuff. And the FBI could get involved. I mean, there's just so many tentacles that it feels like we've lost football. And, you know, and, and I don't say that trying to be hyperbolic. We have, no, we have lost football. Yeah. And like, yeah. And, and again, I don't say this to minimize all the stuff that's possible there. How Cleveland is it to have literally probably the most talented quarterback for whatever amount of time you want to call it, at least since the return, and this is also involved? Like, obviously, that's the only reason yeah. they had a chance to acquire him. But, man, it's just ugly and it's frustrating. And you want to respect people and you want to love people and care about people while also writing about the Browns are the 11th best, best triplets in the league, according to, I think that was Bill Barnwell or somebody. Yeah. Like it's a really weird way to where we're a weird place to be. Uh, and something I wish we didn't have to deal with. And we know 13 other teams wanted to be in this position. Yeah. Uh, freaking yeah. nuts. It is. Um, I know that's a so, long answer. Sorry. No, it's a great, it's a great answer. So before I move on to this next yeah. part of the question, and we'll wrap that up. You as a mental health professional. Yeah. If this cut turns out like, and let me just disclaimer this one more time, you know, this is all alleged. We don't know one way or there. And I honestly feel from like, and I think you feel the same way. I think that there is a chance that I, I think there is a non-zero chance that he is being lied on. And a lot of this has been manipulated and people, it just became an easy way for people to get money that if you gave him a, a massage and, and you wanted to get a payday, here's the guy to go see Tony Busby, and this steamrolled out of control, right? And there's a lot of people lying, and maybe something got misinterpreted at the beginning and then ended up steamrolling out of control into this. I don't, th- I don't think there's a, there's a non-zero chance that that is a reality, right? right. And he's totally getting screwed. But I also think there is a very good chance that some of this is true, maybe not all of it. It's probably somewhere in between. I'm not really sure. I'm not here to judge either way. So I want to disclaimer it on that. If he were to be found uh, in a way where, like, they came out in these proceedings and he doesn't – I honestly think he'd be better off just settling at this point. But if he were to keep going and fight these things in court – we had a lawyer on the show, and I asked him. I was like uh, – the California sports lawyer, uh, Jeremy Evans, and I was like, how long is this going to take all these – he's like, it's going to take forever. It's gonna take, it could take in two, up to two years just off season alone, right? So – these proceedings 
comes out and he ends up looking worse and it looks like he's guilty and there's some evidence there and things like that. Is it come out that he's a sex addict? Um, is that like, I, I know I've heard people kind of hint at this. I, I don't want to go all the way, but like, you know, a lot of people that have been found guilty in this, that's kind of been like, not their excuse, but well, it's an addiction, right? And that's why right. I behaved the way I did. And, and you, you know, do this as a profession, so I feel like this is the appropriate place yeah. to ask that question. I mean, how do you approach that? Say if he does come forward and say, listen, I did some things wrong. I have a problem. I'm an addict. I'm addicted to sex. This is why I behaved the way I did. Like, how does society look at that? How do you look at that as a, a mental health professional? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, I think society will not care, um, majority, only because of some of the manipulation tactics, the lying, um, the power and control stuff, right? You know, just all of that, like, will play a different role. And that's that's kind of it for me, is to be very honest, when people have sexual issues uh, that are mental health problems or legal problems, they tend to be more around power and control and insecurity than they actually tend to actually be about sex. Um, Like, listen, generally speaking, we, those of us of legal age, sex is good, right? Like we enjoy it. It's a good thing. Right. But uh, like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know, there's a reason it sells. right? Right. But people normally who have these kind of issues, the, listen, I'll just, I'll just tell you this. I've talked to agent people, be it prior to all this who are like, listen, we just tell our people, go ahead and get yourself a professional. They, then they better cost $2,500 or more because you want to know that they're going to take care of, do what they need to do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't say that to minimize prostitution or anything in that way or, or even validate it. But there is something different about this than what a multimillionaire generally does. And mm-hmm. so there are concerns around power and control, manipulation, and, and it, it allows everything to be read into, right? When he gave Anthony Walker the Rolex in front of the media that he's yeah. not talking to. Yeah. Like that's a manipulative, it feels, I'm it not does. saying it is, but it feels manipulative, power and control, all of that. Because you could have just said in his locker, no one's stealing it out of a freaking football player's locker in your own locker room, giving it sure. to him privately. So there, for me, feels that's calculated. Not, yeah, it, it feels does. Calculated. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the pictures with the with the military and and taking his team, you know, going over people who try too hard normally are trying to hide things. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's the guy who or the girl who's trying to hit on somebody really hard or show how cool they are or popular they are or hot, you know, whatever. When we try too hard, we tend to be trying to cover something up. And and so that would be my concern from a mental health perspective is. You know, he's a great football player. We know that um, he's very smart when it comes to football. There just seems to be a, a miss, a disconnect again, based on the allegations. Right. If yeah. he gave that Rolex to Anthony Walker and we didn't have any allegations, we were like, oh, wow, he, he hooked his dude up. Like, yeah, wouldn't even have thought of it any other way. Like, yeah, we just feel like, why can't we talk to the quarterback? But besides that. So, yeah, I think it just 
uh, I said to our USA Today boss today or yesterday, I said, it just shades everything, right? It, it puts mm. this hue over every single thing we talk about with the Cleveland Browns and every single behavior he makes now has this tinge of what's he really trying to do. So um, I just don't know what it's going to mean long term. I don't know what the, his teammates are, are experiencing. I don't know how the NFL is going to deal with it with the Houston Texans now involved as possibly aiding. Also, the Houston Texans could be in violation of the collective bargaining agreement and salary cap if they actually provided him that hotel room because uh, that's a violation of salary cap rules. Um, on top of Dan Snyder, on top of John Gruden, there's just so much crap that, again, it, we're not talking football, right? Not at all. Not at all. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with the excellent Jared Mueller, managing editor of the Browns Wire. Um, let's get through this last part here. So, and it, you kind of led me into it again here. Uh, this is being right now very much everything is judge and jury in the court of public opinion, right? Yeah. And and ultimately for Watson, that won't matter in the civil cases at all, what the public thinks, right? Like it'll happen in a courtroom. However, it matters very much in my opinion, Jared, to what the NFL does, because the NFL will base their ruling, in my opinion, probably having a lot to do with optics, right? Like, they want to look, I know, like, uh, I heard Ken Carmen this morning talking about how he read through the NFL um, code of conduct and how he was taken back because it's so vague, right? Uh-huh. Like, it's so vague. Like, you could, you could really, like, like, I could be in violation. Like, he was joking, like, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. technically because of and something I did yesterday that was very innocent, but under the umbrella of the way their language is, you can you could push anything under this code of conduct, right? So, really, the NFL can do what they want, kind of. And so, in my opinion, that has a lot to do with, It has a lot to do with optics. Like, they need to come down hard enough, but not too hard to hurt themselves as, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. What's the, what's the pushback to them coming down really hard on him at this point? I you don't know, think I, there's much of one anymore. Well, I think part of the pushback, well, for them, the pushback is Rusty Harden, right? Like, this is Roger Clemens, not going to let things die lives and his financially lives in celebrity world. And mm-hmm. so while the collective bargaining agreement says X, Y, and Z, Rusty Harden wouldn't give a flying rip about the collective bargaining agreement. And so if, if it is, again, he said a lot of things, but earlier he said he doesn't think Deshaun Watson anything wrong and there should be no penalty. So if it's a year long suspension, if it's 10 games, 12 games, whatever, well, Rusty Harden doesn't have to follow a darn bit of that CBA and then the NFL, and we've seen this with Gruden and Snyder and all of them, they have no interest in discovery, right? It's why even Ezekiel Elliott, um, they um, they make, came to some kind of agreement instead of really going through the trial process. They have no interest in discovery because when you get into discovery, you legally are responsible to, re- to provide this, that, and the other thing. And the NFL has no interest in that happening. It's why mm. everything for that Washington uh, investigation was a verbal document or whatever the crap they called it um, yeah. because they had no interest in that ever getting into, you know, obviously we know the, the Senate or Congress is looking at it right now, all that stuff. Sure. So that's the real big pushback is Rusty Harden ain't afraid. And much like they did with Tom Brady's deflate gate, 
if Rusty Harden um, gets the motion that he would request, Deshaun Watson is playing every game this year. Mm-hmm. So now 17 games of Deshaun Watson in every city with no suspension and this looming court date, which that court date doesn't have to follow the currently agreed upon off-season court dates. So okay. the NFL does have some interest in getting this done. I'm that not makes sure both sides happy. Yeah, that makes both sides fine to move on. But I'm not sure. Like you said, 23 and 24, one of them they didn't know about. They're already uh, ta- they're talking to those two people. Um, but they're also looking at the Verentes thing, and there's the belief that, much like HBO did, uh, the HBO study brought out the last two, that this uh, New York Times report is going to bring out multiple more uh, people filing charges. So if there are 66 women, I think 18 of them supported him. Yeah, That puts the possibility of 48 women. Now, that doesn't mean all 48 would, but it puts the possibility of 48 total women. That's double what we currently have. So 10 more people file charges, and the NFL's got to investigate or is going to investigate, or they probably have to, right? You can't – that's the optics you can't have. That's, that's what's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, you can't have 10 more and go, okay, well, we filed our char- – no, there are 10 more lawsuits. So I think it's just – I think it's all a mess. Like – I don't yeah. see an. I just don't see a normal end to it because it, it's yeah. so fluid right now. It's so fluid. <laughs> it really right now. is. So so let me just we'll wrap this up with this yeah. then. You know, knowing all this stuff and that is are really good points about making both sides. So you know, I understand the process pretty much to be that the NFLPA is gathering their case and the NFL is gathering mm-hmm. their case. They're going to go in front of, is it Sue Johnson? Robinson. Ro- Sue Robinson. Yeah. Former district judge, mm-hmm. uh, who is the, um, elected or chosen by both sides, uh, arbitrator. She will hear the case and then come down with a ruling. And, and the only way that Goodell can appeal or whatever, do anything with that. I think my understanding is, is to lower it, right? He can't, or can he rate? He can do, so. He can do either? He can do either. So what'll happen is if she says there is no um, wrongdoing by Watson, okay, no one can do anything. It's done. Okay. If she says there is wrongdoing and six games, Deshaun Watson can appeal to get it to go down. The NFL can appeal to get it to go up. And then both of them are appealing to Roger Goodell. Hmm. So Roger Goodell literally is appealing to himself. She said six games. And again, he can. I'm going to appeal to myself because I think it should be 12. What do you think he's going to decide, right? Yeah, like seriously. He's literally filing the appeal to himself. So, yeah, it can get really ugly. Real quick, I want to just say what's really interesting is last year, Tyreek Hill was caught on tape saying he beats his a child, that a three-year-old that ended up with broken arms mm-hmm. and got no suspension, right? right. Like. Who knows what the crap they're gonna do? Like it's yeah. crazy. What's your best guess? That's my question. Eight. Like, like where were you at before? Uh, before all of this, I was at six down to four, um, or that was kind of what I was looking at. With the possibility of zero, they really strongly believe they could get down to zero because there's just no proof. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how they say it. I'm gonna. I'm just saying what they yeah. say. Um, his, I believe his his uh, agents and stuff believe it's going to be between eight and 10 and they can try to get it down to six to eight. Uh, and that would be my expectation is, is half the season. That was pre, I haven't, I've got no new inside information since that New York times article. So that could still be up in the air. 
yeah, it's so interesting what, like, you know, Harden was talking about before this, and we'll move on after this, but Harden was talking about how he had considered only the three cases where Watson, he said there was consensual sexual, uh, you know, acts or whatever that, that he considered to fall under the NFL code of conduct. So out of all of the cases he considered like legal basis wise reading but you know his interpretation right. that only three of them actually put them in potential violation of the nfl code of conduct so it'll be interesting to see how it's interpreted by nflpa nfl we'll never know probably but you know uh it's it's quite the uh quagmire we're in here absolutely so. all right moving on to football let's get to some football all right i'm working on a piece right now as you know of uh players that um have to take the biggest step forward and, and you know and you know once again we have to kind of preface this as it depends on who's quarterback and this and that so <laughs> taking all that into account right right uh i have a couple names down i want to start with my number one and then you could let's just kind of go yeah. you give me some that you come to the top of your head i have down number one most important to me has to take a huge step forward regardless of who is quarterback donovan peoples jones to me he is the biggest has to take a step forward. We see him do it in camp. Didn't do it on the field last year. He has to perform in my eyes and has to live up to being like a number two type wide receiver for this offense to go where they want to go in the pass game. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to like it as you were talking. Uh, <laughs> I think that I think that's really good because. I think it, it's a realistic expectation if yeah. Watson is the quarterback. Uh, also really needed if Brissett is, right? Sure. Um, and so I think that makes a lot of sense, and I, I think that works for the because the offense needs to be more dynamic. It needs to be more not just explosive, but dynamic is the word I want to use because there was explosive plays out there last year and yes. the year before that just were missed. But I think they just need to be more dynamic, and they can't be – uh, in the passing game can't be screen Cooper and Joku, right? Like right. if right. you add all of a sudden you add DPJ and David Bell, right? And DPJ is really that number two with some flash and flair, some consistency. I think you're right. Like it really opens up that dynamic nature of what defensive half defenses has to do uh, against the Browns offense. So I like that. It's like I picture him as this big athletic receiver like that he could potentially be, and I just think he has to live up to that the way they have shaped this room. Like they didn't go out and get an extra veteran, so that puts more pressure on him for me to be yeah. that guy. And that's you know, and the reality is if and when Watson is playing, they're paying him to raise the ships, right? Right. They're yeah. paying him to make these receivers better, and he he's gonna need to do that, uh, period. Whatever whenever he's on the field, he's gonna need to do that. All right, who do you got? For me, uh, partially it's selfish. Uh, Grant yeah. Delpit. I need Grant Delpit to really listen. I think he was really good late in the season last year uh, in coverage, in tackling, and all that. I have desired a free safety for so long, like back yeah. to the Buddha Bakers and Earl Thomases of, of of my lifetime that. I have just been calling out for a free safety for so long, but I also think it's really important that John Johnson, the third is not the free safety. Like he yes. is really good in his versatility, but you need a real true free safety. It's obviously not Ronnie Harrison. Uh, that guy signed on a one year deal for almost you know very little money. 
Um, he's going to be maybe their third linebacker at times. Yeah. Um, so I need Grant Delpit to really step into that true free safety role. And I think, you know, unlike Donovan Peoples-Jones, he was a sixth-round pick for a reason. Grant Delpit was assumed to be a first-round pick who fell to the second round. Yeah. And I think he is – I think he's in place to do that because he showed really well late last season coming off the Achilles tear. And I, I'm really excited to have a free safety. And because – and I didn't have him on my list, so great point. I totally agree. And also because of the timing, right? Because he lost the year – because he didn't come on real strong until the end of last year, he kind of has to perform now if you want to make him a part of your future and think about extending him because he only has the, the one more year after this, right? So right. Um, you kind of have to start thinking about, is he part of our future plans or not? Is he going to play out and be the second-round pick, the stud that we want to be? So you really need him to step up. So, and even more importantly, great point on John Johnson, like you can't, depend like when they depended on him to be that free safety and that center fielder you don't you take away what he does best right and his creativity and that and that's yep. brutal for that defense because when they were playing their best grant delpit was playing excellent at the end of the year too so yeah absolutely it worked it all worked together really really well when those two guys were able to play their roles great point um i will say going back to my first selection i think a lot of people will want to hear schwartz's name there uh as a guy to step up i just i don't know i i don't see it like i, I didn't see it last year I, I i know the browns believe in him but to me it's not as big of a deal for me uh, as if schwartz does or not now depth wise i have an issue there like jakeem grant schwartz if somebody gets danged and they have to turn to them one of them to take a ton of snaps if they want to run 11 personnel uh, as a third wide receiver on the field, I think they're in trouble a little bit, which is kind of why I wish they would go out and get another body. FYI, just throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- you know, I, th- I think you're right on Schwartz. Not so much. Listen, I think they really like him. Um, but I also think that, you know, his role is to be Will Fuller. And while people talk about Will Fuller like he's something, Will Fuller was Anthony Schwartz. Like, get yeah, injured, no drops the ball some. Uh, can score a lot of touchdowns and big plays, but isn't going to put up a thousand yards. I'm not even sure Will Fuller has put up more than 800 yards somewhere in that range. Um, hasn't really played a whole season. So if Anthony Schwartz, listen, Will Fuller got paid because of Deshaun Watson. If Anthony Schwartz can be like Will Fuller, people are going to celebrate him and he's still going to be 800 yards and eight touchdowns uh, on 30 receptions, right? Yeah, it's going to be yeah. some weird kind of skewed numbers. I don't think that makes the offense go. It's fun and it's dynamic and it's nice. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones could make the offense really go on that yeah. consistent basis. For sure. All right. My number two, um, Jordan Elliott, for me, Ooh. has to. Uh, I've heard some rumblings out of uh, OTAs and whatnot and people around the building that he's looked good and active and they're feeling pretty good about him right now. Uh, that's just what I've heard. And I think this is a guy you spent, what, a third-round pick on? Yeah. Uh, he's still, to me, I mean, he hasn't blossomed, but he could. Like, he could step up and have, like, that big year, and you really need him to in that room because right now it's the worst room in the league on paper, right? So <laughs> They... And I've said this too many times, probably because it sounds, I feel like I've said it. They're so interesting that they're like, uh, go ahead and run the ball. We think we can run the ball better than you. 
and yeah. we have a good passing game. So go ahead and run the ball. Yeah. And I think what it really it comes down to is Andrew Barry thinks there's a few really good interior defensive linemen and the rest are pretty much the same, which hmm. I don't agree with. <laughs> yeah. But I think if, you know, he he had a shot for an Aaron Donaldish type player, he would spend the pick or the, the money on him. Uh, but yeah, I think Jordan Elliott, I've never been a big fan of. I felt like he was a too much of a tweener. Um, but if he could step up, um, that would be really, really nice. I just not sure. I just don't know. I haven't seen something from him that tells me he can, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, totally. Besides the fact he's a third round pick. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Uh, he hasn't done what he has. He, I just, maybe it's wishful thinking, but it's a guy <laughs> it's that desperation because they desperation, need somebody to step up. Yeah. And I totally get the analytics and that there's, you know, everything that's out that there's no correlation between stopping the run and overall defense and right. Like inviting teams to run to a certain extent, but you can't be like the chargers of last year and, and stuff like that, where you let teams just steamroll you in the run game. So um, somebody has to step up and make plays in there. Perry on Winfrey, maybe I, I kind of took rookies off this list. I was kind of right. looking, you know, more. So Elliot is kind of the guy I was looking at maybe to do that. Uh, Cause I'm not a big fan of Taven Bryan. So what, you know, but maybe he's the guy either way, hoping somebody in that room can do it. That's kind of where I'm going with. And Elliot was my best candidate in my opinion. Who do you got next? You know, for me, it's going to be really interesting to watch Chase Linovich, um, you know, as, as that Tack McKinley role. Um, I don't know if he needs to step up, but he needs to be stable, right? They sure. need to be able to run Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett inside. Yeah. And, and Chase Linovich cannot be blown off the ball. He's not, you know, he's not the length and strength of, of Alex Wright or whatever. But he needs to be stable enough. Uh, as that third defensive end that can rotate in so that they can move Clowney and Garrett around uh, because I think that's vital. Like, you cannot run those two to death. Yeah. Um, and especially with Clowney, you're you're risking injury always, right? I feel like he played 14 last year off the yeah. top of my head, so he missed a couple games still. Um, and so I just think Winovich is going to do – is going to be important to what they want to do. Yeah. Because you got to be able to bring him off the edge to kick him inside and do a lot of what they want to do on passing downs, right? So, yeah, uh, interesting. I like that a lot. All right, uh, I'll do. We'll do one more. Okay, yep. I got uh, Nick Harris. I think has to Ooh, step up into a big role there. It's a right? good one. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Uh, I am a fan personally. Uh, I think the Browns are big fans, or else they wouldn't have moved on. I think I liked the move to move on. Uh, it was a timely move, and I thought it was super annoying having the president of the uh, <laughs> NFLPA on the roster. FYI, okay. I mean, look yeah. at hey, they got OTAs right now. They got off-season program, right? I mean, not that he's not doing about, that this right. year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but. Yeah, no, I like that. I think Nick Harris is. Uh, they he was a steal. They thought he was a huge steal in the fifth round. He's got the movement skills exactly that they want. The only concern. Uh, is going to be like against Pittsburgh with Cam Hayward lining up over him at times or sure. to it just re retired, but they have another defensive line. I can think of off the top of my head that will kind of line up and can kind of bully him. Um, but he looks bigger. He looks stronger. And I love, I like, I really like that. Um, Spent the whole off season yeah. there. I think yeah. lifting, right? Yeah. Gina, I mean, I, so. yeah, he said he put on whatever, 17 pounds yeah. of muscle or whatever. Um, I think he's, you know, Bill Callahan can do a lot of miracles. Right. Yes. And then you have Batonio and Teller next to you. You know, I think that that next step, um, 
Yeah, I think that that makes sense. He's got a and what we always know about the offensive line, you can't have a weak link. Right. You can have great players and okay players. You just can't have a weak link, and especially at at, at center. I think he's yeah. gonna, I think he's learned to use his low center of gravity and all that stuff. Um, so no, I like I really like that. I I hadn't even weirdly enough, Nick Harris. I keep forgetting about that he's there and replacing JC Treader. Yeah, um, but at least you know he'll practice some. Whereas Treader didn't practice for years at this point yeah, in time, there very go, rarely. Right? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there'll be something there. That's, um, that's a great point. Who you got last one? Yeah, man. Uh, third, the third one's tough for me. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I'm actually going to lead us into probably our next part of a conversation. I'm yeah. going to say Greedy Williams, uh, based based on the plan or the seeming plan to run Greg Newsom inside. Talk about that here in a second, possibly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Greedy Williams has to be good, right? I think uh, MJ Emerson or Martin Emerson. I think he's going to go by MJ, by the way. Uh, yes. I think I think he is not ready. I mean, I think he might be okay. It might be he might be okay, but I don't think he's ready. And so, if your plan is to run Greg Newsom inside, because bluntly, I don't know what your other option is given the current roster, then Greedy Williams has got to be able to step up. Greedy Williams has got to be able to be stable. And I think for him, again, a, a guy who. Thought he was going to be a first-round pick, fell to the second round. John Dorsey's pick. He's not coming back next year, highly unlikely, unless mm-hmm. it's Ronnie Harrison style because he wasn't good. Mm-hmm. This is Greedy Williams' chance to really cash in in a league where cornerbacks are valued. He's got size. He's got strength. He's He was better last year. The number one thing to watch with Greedy Williams, number one thing, watch him at the snap. Does he bail immediately? If he bails immediately, he has zero confidence in anything else but bail, and he's still struggling with that. So – in, in so many ways, it could be third and seven, and he's five, eight yards off, and he bails immediately at the snap. So watch him at the snap. If he's not bailing every snap, that's a great sign of his confidence and belief in his own ability. But he is necessary if Greg Newsom is on the inside. And to be honest, if Greg Newsom's on the outside, Greedy Williams is probably going to be necessary to play on the inside because they need freaking somebody on the inside because uh, yeah. they don't really have anybody outside of Newsom. Ward can play inside, but he doesn't have the – the physicality that Newsom has. So I guess that's our option there. So that makes greedy really important. All right. So we can transition to straight to that now because I have a huge issue with this right off the get. Yes, you do. I, I don't know what. Okay. I understand that you have a bunch of outside corners on your roster. You really don't. They really don't have anybody after Troy Hill in a very curious trade. I understand he underperformed last year. But he is a true, I mean, you can use him as just a nickel or just a slot. Like, so they gave him up for a draft pick to send him back to the Rams. Okay, that's fine, whatever. But you don't have anybody else on your roster that can do that. So now you want to take your first-round pick and kick him inside the nickel? First of all, if you, you know, PFF guys are rolling in their grave. Grave, you know, anybody that's, anybody that's ever passed away from PFF, probably nobody, but... <laughs> knock on wood but anyways they're upset because i mean think probably not upset but i mean that can't make any sense if if you value the position of quarterback an outside corner is so valuable that you take a first round pick on the guy and then you kick him inside after a great performance in his first year that's insanity to me i don't that makes no sense and then they're saying okay but yeah he's gonna start at the outside and they're gonna move him in i mean what does that really look like so now you're gonna have an outside corner coming in to play when you're in a nickel position to play the outside that just doesn't make that's like ass backwards to me kind of jared and and i don't really know why they would do that uh or why they wouldn't just spend a little bit extra money 
there's some parts of this roster that don't feel complete to me. And to yeah. me, that's insane a little bit, Jared, after going through what they've been through. Like, you pay $230 million, you're going to get your ass kicked by the media and everybody in the world calling you scumbags and this and all that and, and going through what we're going through right now uh, to – to come up short on your interior defensive line and come up a wide receiver short on depth and and have to kick your uh, premier outside cornerback into nickel because you wouldn't spend a couple <laughs> extra million dollars on the open market seems insane to me. Like, finish the roster. If you think this team can play and go all the way, then finish the roster. You have the money there. It seems kind of silly to me. I know. I had a little bit of a rant there. But no, I think you're it's good. Stupid. You're passionate I mean, about it. I. Listen, I, at some level, I agree with you. I, Troy Hill didn't play well last year, so fine. No. Go ahead and move on from him. That's fine. But uh, it does seem like it does seem like at times they're reactionary versus proactive, right? Mm. So they're reacting. Troy Hill doesn't have a good year, and we can't find a, a, a nickel corner. Okay, let's go ahead and move Greg inside, and then draft Emerson mm. for next year. And and listen, Greg could do fine on the inside. And to be honest, the no whole doubt. starter thing doesn't matter. I mean, most teams are running out 11 anyway, so you're going to mm-hmm. have three corners out there. But I just I just feel like they're being reactionary to what was available as opposed to saying, okay, prioritize this, prioritize that. Listen, I'm okay with the defensive tackle. I don't love it, but I'm okay with it. This is one I'm not okay with because it doesn't fit, right? The mm-hmm. fit is passing defense, passing offense, passing defense, passing offense, uh, we'll move that guy inside, right? Like that's yeah. where it doesn't fit. Whereas defensive tackle, you're like, okay, I got it. Like at least it fits some idea that I can put together. I don't think it's going to turn out poorly. I think the no. results will be fine. I just think the process is, like you said, bass backwards. Yeah. And, and, and I think it'll be okay because Greg is an excellent player and I think he'll do fine um, in the nickel. But a part of the problem there is I think you're kind of wasting a first round skill set on a guy like that traditionally is valued a little bit less to play slot corner, right? Like yeah. those guys cost like four or five million dollars for the best one every year on the open market, right? Like, you know, you don't have to go spend 20 million dollars like you do on a Denzel Ward who can go try to shut down your best opposing player. I think Newsom has the capability to become a Denzel Ward type of a corner. I think he's that good. So when you're moving him into nickel, you're kind of devaluing that first round pick for me. I do think the two things, A, they run so much zone that they don't really kind of okay. shadow. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other thing is the NFL, the, the actual good coordinators, offensive coordinators, are moving. You know, Jamar Chase played in the slot a crap ton last year. Right. Um, you know, even uh, Chase Claypool yeah, did. I get so that. I do think there's going to be a – I think it's a little bit of – hopefully we know Greedy can be okay. Hopefully Emerson will be good. And then we have this already kind of set up where – Ward will put on the side the best outside receiver is, and then we'll have somebody on the inside. I don't. I'm not saying I like it. I'm just trying to figure it out. <laughs> I think I know, I know you brought up uh, Greedy, and I think that's important. But I kind of think that AJ Green is their third best corner. Am I crazy? I don't know if you're crazy. I I like AJ Green better than I like Greedy consistently, and I think I'm yeah. more, I feel like I've used that word a lot, but. There's just a lack of consistency with Greedy that A.J. Green may not have the upside or, or the, okay. the flash, but A.J. Okay. Green, you get this. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he steps into. All right, final question for you, and I've kept you a lot longer than you. Yeah, it's, that's part for the course, though. That's life. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I heard this today, so I can't take credit for it, but, you know, I heard, I think it was 92.3 this morning, maybe they were talking about... Was it Mac know, Robinson? We don't like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't Mac, uh, uh, but it was, um, I forget what, it doesn't matter, uh, but there's been some rumors about Kareem Hunt because of the, there's so many running backs on this roster, right? Like, and, um... I mean, what, they got five of them now, if you count. I, I, I mean, it's crazy, kind of. Uh, and the one that has the most value on the trade market is Kareem Hunt, and that's his last year in his contract. Does it make any sense to trade him for a piece that maybe you need more this year somewhere else? Or if you could get, like, a two or a three for him? I know that's probably right. maybe reaching a little bit. Would that be worth it to the Browns to do if you're not going to get anything for him at the end of the year and you go someplace else? You know, I think that's a great question. Um, at one point, uh, Kareem Hunt was a part of the Deshaun Watson trade conversation. Hmm. Um, and then the Texans just wanted to simplify life a little bit. Uh, yeah. And so they just wanted the same basic pass, packet, package from everybody, not adding any players. It made it more complicated, whatever. Um, so I think Hunt could be traded. I think the biggest thing with Hunt isn't actually going to be his talent. I mean, he's really good. Yes. Uh, the biggest thing with Hunt is he wants to be there. Uh, so he has a, there's this weird balance. He wants to be there, wants to make money, right? But he really wants to be there, and he feels like he's Cleveland's now, right? He does. Obviously, he's he from does. Toledo. Um, and so you bring in Amari Cooper. You bring in Deshaun Watson, right? You trade for these two big contracts. You bring in John Johnson last year, Troy Hill last year. Um, you know, there's been enough – uh, free agency and trades that to not pay your own or to trade your own when they desperately want to win in Cleveland is a cultural concern. And it I is. think overall that actually has won out and it's why they now have five running backs on their, their team. And they're just assuming somebody's going to get hurt, be either on their team or another team. And Dearness Johnson, the way his contract was structured is, that that cutting him would be more painful than trading him, yeah. uh, the way they structured it. So Jernis Johnson seems like the most likely to be dealt. Uh, letting really? Cream okay. Hunt, yeah, letting Cream Hunt walk next year uh, because he gets a nice contract to be a starter. No one's fighting back on that. There's no PR backlash. His teammates aren't fighting back on that. Nobody is going to be mad about it. Trading him for a third or fourth wide receiver or a third defensive tackle or a slot corner or whatever it would be, or a draft pick after you've spent all these draft picks and all this money to save $6 million and keep Jerome Ford and Demetric Felton, like that's going to hit at a core issue for the team. I don't see them doing it, even though you're right. Most value makes sense. I still think Jaronis Johnson is the most likely to be traded. Uh, and it'll just be a swap of, you know, fifth round pick or another player, another team doesn't really need from a different position. Listen, man, I am with you 100% there. You made so much, you totally sold me. Like, I don't want to see him go anywhere. It's just a question of like, you know, uh, you know, big picture, you know, 3D chess, Andrew Barry, what makes <laughs> the most sense, right? Like, so, um, I, you know, and, I, you're right. I think it would probably have a bad, uh, under, not bad, but maybe a not great response in the locker room. It feels like they like him there and he wants to be here and he wants to help, help him win. And I think there's a big part of that that needs to stay, right? Like, 
it, you can't lose all your culture in these transactions, right? So exactly. Um, Excellent point, uh, Jared. Jared, you were fantastic tonight. It's uh, some tough topics, but uh, I think we did a good job. You did a fantastic job. You nailed it. Jared Mueller, he is the managing editor at USA Today Today, Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire uh, top man over there. Any parting words for my listeners? Take a deep breath. Enjoy what you can enjoy because for a little while, being a Browns fan or a Browns follower is probably still going to suck. So uh, read our articles, listen to our podcasts, and then shut it down and go outside, enjoy the weather, find the things that bring you joy. Uh, Don't let other people's poor choices decide your happiness in life, if you can. And I'm struggling with that sometimes, y'all, because this isn't always easy. So please find yourself some joy, some peace, some happiness uh, in the world that we live in. No matter what, that is something you can do, and I encourage you to try it. Very well said, Jared. Uh, Jared Mueller, once again, managing editor of the Browns Wire. Go read him. He writes all the time. He's got uh, articles out like every hour. He's a machine. Uh, He is a machine. Uh, For Jared, I am Brad Ward. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland, and we are out.